I'd like to begin today's service by just, uh, just thanking God above that the announcements didn't put people to sleep this week. That's great. It's an exciting thing. He was a little bit faster paced this week. He's making some progress there. That's just a really exciting thing to be a part of. Uh, I'd also like to, uh, no, I'm just kidding, but I'd also like to just state that the excitement in the room and in the city is just running wild, isn't it, that Star Wars The Force Awakens has been released? That's, okay, that didn't go over so well with this crowd. No, that's an exciting thing. I've already seen it twice. I might even make a reference to it in today's message. It's going to be an exciting time. Now on to things that matter. Okay, so um, we have spent the last two weeks talking about this idea of forgiveness. And we've spent the last two weeks talking about what happens when we hold on to not forgiving in our hearts. And when we don't experience forgiveness, what happens to our lives? Two weeks ago, we talked about what that was like related to our families and how that was impacting our daily life and how that kind of comes to the surface at this time of the year even a little bit more because we get to interact with people that we don't normally get to interact with all year long. And last week, it was a powerful, powerful time when we talked about what it meant to forgive ourselves and what it meant to actually show forgiveness to us and to kind of put the past behind us and the things that we have done wrong and how we can have a brighter future when we do that. And today, we're going to talk about a, uh, th- this idea of forgiving God and forgiving the church and forgiving Christians who've kind of gotten it wrong and what happens in our lives when we don't do that. And I have to tell you, just being as honest as I can, this topic, today's message was so like powerful to write. It was so impactful on my life when I wrote it as I kind of dug through what the scripture says about God and Jesus, and I hope it does the same for you. And there were some folks who came up to me after the first service and just said, this just kind of leveled the playing field for me. This just kind of made everything straight again, which was so cool to be a part of that. But before we go, I want to propose an idea to you, and it's this. In your life, you have an opinion on the way that things should go. You have an opinion, whether it's on a small thing or a big thing, you have an opinion on how things should go related to issues when they arise in your life. You have expectations based on this. So here, this is just a thought to kind of kick us off. You have an opinion, my clicker, not working. See, it doesn't appear to be working. I don't know if there's anybody at the booth that can help me back there, but, or I have ADD, this isn't working. Okay. You have an opinion on the way that things should go. In life, there are things that kind of come up, and whether those are big things or little things or small things, you have an opinion on the way that those things should go. Let's just give a couple of examples real quick, okay? If you're going to a restaurant, if you're going out to dinner, you have an expectation, specifically if you have a reservation, on how that should go. Even if you don't have a reservation, you have an expectation based on when you get there, and they'll tell you it'll be 10 or 15 minutes, you have an expectation on how long this experience will take you. And if it doesn't live up to your expectations, what happens? You kind of get angry about it. You distance yourself from that restaurant. I don't want to go there again. Maybe the food is not up to your liking. Maybe the food isn't what you expected, so you tend to to do a couple of things. The first thing that you tend to do related to this is you tend to get angry about the experience. This isn't how I thought that it should go. Therefore, I'm going to get angry about how this happened. It's a natural human reaction. It's not that uh, uncommon. If things don't go the way you expect them to, or you want them to, or you think that you should, you tend to get a little angry about that. Furthermore, the anger then can lead into distance. I'm mad about this experience, and I'm not going back. 
This didn't go the way that I thought it should go. Therefore, I'm not going back. Here's another practical example related to that. Maybe at your job, you had an expectation that something was going to go a certain way or an opinion that someone, something was going to go a certain way and it didn't go your way. Maybe you wanted a promotion and you didn't get it. Maybe it didn't happen soon enough for you. All of a sudden, what happens? You get angry about what you thought should happen, didn't happen, and then you tend to distance yourself. Maybe you go find a new job, or maybe you even like publicly express that the job that you love so dearly was now like the slums of Calcutta. Like This was not a great place to be anymore. You distance yourself from that. We live in the social media age, and so a lot of times when we post things on social media, we have expectations based on how the response will go to that post. Maybe you posted a picture of yourself and it didn't get the number of likes that you thought that it should, right? Maybe you've posted an image of yourself. Maybe it was even a selfie and you had an expectation that within like five minutes you were going to be at 100 likes and that just didn't happen for you. You had an opinion and it didn't go that way. Just to tell you a quick story, one day my buddy John did this. He's in the back of the room, the announcement guy. He did this and he texted me. He said, hey, by the way, the post that I just put up isn't getting any, getting, isn't getting the action I want. Could you give it a courtesy like for me, right? And I was like, man, this is, we're getting desperate here with courtesy likes and those kind of things. But I gave him a courtesy like, right? But it wasn't going the way that he thought that it should go. Furthermore, things don't always go the way they should go related to church. And that's the next thing that I want to talk about. Furthermore, they always don't go the way that we have an opinion that they should go related to God. Because if everybody in the room were being honest with ourselves, we could be open and say that we have an opinion on what we think God should be like. We have an opinion based on who we are as human beings of what God should be like. He should be good. He should take care of people who cause injustice. We have opinions about how he should be. And when he isn't, who our opinions think he should be, we tend to do the same for practical examples in our lives. We get angry and we distance ourselves when God think he should be. Furthermore, we do this to the church and to Christians when they mess it up. We say to the church, this isn't how it was supposed to be about it and then I'm going to distance myself from it. And most of the time we don't even try to go find a new place that's going to help make it right. We just say I'm not going to be a part of that anymore. Related to Christians who have wronged us or who they don't go the way that we think that they should go. We have an opinion and it doesn't line up. We tend to distance ourselves from them too going this is not right. So we get angry and we go I don't want anything to do with it. Anger and distance in your heart is unforgiveness. And we're talking about what unforgiveness looks like around the Christmas season. And at this time of the year, related to God, you're going to hear people talk about Jesus because that's why we celebrate Christmas and your thoughts and your opinions about this and your unforgiveness is going to rise to the surface in your life if you're still holding on to it. So that kind of sets the stage for what we're talking about today. But I talked about just a few seconds ago that we all have opinions of what we think God should be like. Here's a statement that I want to make about God, which is so kind of powerful and it's true and you need to understand it so you can grasp what we're going to talk about for the rest of the morning. Here it is. God is who he is. 
not who you think he should be. God is who he is, not who you think he should be. Furthermore, we tend to have opinions and we're like, because God isn't like my opinion of what I think he should be, I develop anger and distance toward him. But let me tell you something. You can be angry and distance yourself from God, from the church, but it doesn't change who he is. He is who he is, not who you think he should be. Be. He is bigger than we could ever imagine. He is this supreme being of the universe that created all things that doesn't even fit into our mental psyche. It's hard for us to even comprehend or understand how big this amazing, miraculous God is. Is. And furthermore, a lot of us throughout our journeys, as we kind of distance ourselves from the church and distance ourselves from God and distance ourselves from Christians, the main reason that we hear that people do that is because I can't like be close to a God who isn't what I think he should be. Well, you don't have to worry about that because God is who he is, not who you think that he should be. Furthermore, Related to opinions and knowledge, people have very strong opinions but very little knowledge about God. Meaning, people's opinions about God have probably been formed by something they've been told or something that they've seen in the media or something that they've experienced in church. They've probably had a moment where they've heard something or seen something or been told something and furthermore, then they develop opinions about God based on what they've heard, but those opinions are absolutely based on very little knowledge. We did a lot of research this week about people's actual knowledge of the ancient scripture. And they are very, very non-understanding, at least in our opinion, about what these things mean. They have very strong opinions, though. Have you ever met people who are Christians in, sp in, in particular who have very strong opinions? I have. They drive me nuts. And most of them, their opinions are not connected to any sort of knowledge related to who God is. And here's what I want to tell you. So here's just an example real quick. Jesus, okay, when you take a look at Jesus, people tend to go, Jesus is one of these guys who is all about rules and regulations, and you need to do this and this and this, and then you're going to get your life straight. That is the opinion of most Christians and most people who would call themselves part of the Jesus movement. But in reality, they are confused about who he is. He was a god of love and restoration and redemption and making all things new. And that doesn't give us kind of willy-nilly for any kind of behavior we want to have. That's not what anybody's saying, but they think that they know about Jesus, but we actually have very little knowledge. And because we have strong opinions and little knowledge, we develop anger and distance toward God, toward Christians, and toward the church. And here's something that I want you to know about God. Because here's the deal. God is big. God is bigger than we could ever imagine. And there's a lot of things that we don't know about God. There's a lot of things that we'll never know about God. But there's a couple of really cool things that we can know about him and about his character. Because I want to make a very bold statement. If you're angry and distant toward God in the church, you may have gotten this God thing wrong. And you may be confused about who he really is. Here's what I want you to know. If you want to know who God really is, look at the life of Jesus. If you want to know who God really is, 
Look at the only human incarnation of God that ever stepped on the earth. And when you look at the life of Jesus, your mind is blown. Because Jesus was not somebody who only followed rules and regulations. Jesus walked around healing people, turning water into wine, making all things new, focusing on restoration and redemption. And then when he was asked, what is the most important thing I can do with my life? This was his response. Love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. The second, loving your neighbor, is equally as important. If you want to know who God really is, look at the life of Jesus. And when you look at the life of Jesus, all of a sudden you go, I don't necessarily have to be angry anymore. I don't have to be distant anymore. And maybe for the first time ever, I have an understanding of who God is, not because of something I've been told or something that I've seen on television or something that someone has told me in like a, a distant way that has put me off. It's because Jesus' life represents who God is and the character of God. Now, I'm not telling you this today, even though I am telling you this today. I'm not the one who came up with this. In fact, he came up with it. Jesus did. It's what he said in John chapter 5, verse 19. And this is so important for us to understand about his life and who he is. So Jesus explained, I tell you the what? The truth. This is it. The Son, Jesus, that's him, himself, can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. My life is a representation of God the Father. What you see me doing is what he does. Whatever the Father does, the Son does also. Jesus confirmed that statement. If you want to know who God is, if you want to know who he really is, not who you've heard about, not who someone has told you about, not someone who wants to place rules and regulations over your life, if you want to know who he really is, look at the life of Jesus. And Jesus in this text confirmed that detail syllable by syllable. So a lot of people are angry at God or the church or Christians and they distance themselves because they don't understand who God really is. And I think he's a tyrant ruling over people with an iron fist. But let me pivot for a second to another idea because another reason that people are mad at God or would hold on to unforgiveness in their heart related to God is because they don't understand sometimes the way that the world necessarily works. And the main question that I've heard people ask related to God that they can't wrap their mind around is a powerful one. It's a deep one. It is so emotional. There's so much attached to it that we could spend months on this topic, but we're not going to. We're only going to spend a few minutes today. But here's another reason that people can't reconcile with God or they're angry at God or they don't understand him. It's this question. Why do bad things happen? Why do bad things occur? Furthermore, we think there's a couple of things related to it. Here's the first one. Why do bad things happen to me? Why do bad things happen to me? I've 
lived a good life. I've tried to serve God, maybe even. I have loved my neighbor as myself. I want to take care of my family and people around me, yet bad things happen to me. Why do they happen to me? This is another one that I think is excellent. Why does injustice occur? Why does injustice in the world happen? Why are there people who are oppressed and being killed and have no food and have no water and can't survive on their own? And furthermore, this question is important. Can't God stop this from happening? Can't he intervene and stop this from happening? Why do bad things happen? More specifically, why do they happen to me? Why does injustice occur? Can't God stop this from happening? Allow me to answer these questions in one blunt phrase. We don't know. Now, that's not a cop-out. That's not an excuse. But at the end of the day, I'm not God, and neither are any of you. And he, the ever-powerful creator of the universe, is not something we're supposed to know everything about. And in most churches, there are answers for these questions because people are afraid to use the term, I don't know. Well, I'll stand up here today with a microphone on publicly so anybody can hear my voice, and I'll say to you, I don't know. And you shouldn't believe anybody who tells you that they do. But... Here's what, I'll, here's what I will tell you. Even though we don't know the answers to all of these questions, there are a few things about these issues that we do know that can just make it a little bit more kind of plausible for us to understand. We do know this. We do know that there was a creator of the universe, that's God, and somewhere along the way in human history, he created human beings in the form of a couple of people, and he gave them some instructions, and he said to them, here's what you are not to do, don't do that, and they did it, and that's where kind of evil historically entered the world. I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about that today because we're going to be talking about that early next year and the different opinions on creation. And it's going to be a phenomenal series that we're going to do about that. But I do want to bring up the most important point of that story. It's this, is that God loved people enough to allow them to make their own decisions, creating this idea of free will. God created people and then allowed them to do with their one and only life whatever they want to do. And don't get me wrong, there's debate about this, specifically amongst scholars and Christians, and people will tell you that, you know, that, that God has kind of written the entire future and the past, and he knows all things, and, and, and that's all one big gray ball. Like, it's, it's kind of wild like to think about and wrap your brain around. I'm going to talk about it in a second. But here's one thing that's just kind of a, a bold statement related to this idea that I believe. Now, this is something that Adam Duckworth believes. This is not something that downtown Harbor Church is taking a stance on. We don't take stances around here. We build relationships. So even if you don't agree with us on what I'm about to say next, that's okay. We still want you here. But here's something that I think is super, super important that I believe, just in my own mind, confirms this. Here it is. God did not create human beings to be robots. That God did not create human beings to be robots. And here's something that I want to tell you about this before we get all like, you know, gray and I say my next thing that I want to say. Related to robots, I love droids, right? Like, and I'm not talking about the phone. I'm talking about like the robots like that are in Star Wars. And my life changed this week because I've already seen it twice. And I'm going to see it a third time on Monday. And, you know, if, you don't, if you're not into that, that's too bad. I'm just kidding, right? But no, okay. Here's the deal. 
I don't believe that God created us human beings to be robots. You know why I believe that? Because the first human beings to ever step foot on the earth disobeyed what he said and he didn't stop it. He allows us to do the things that we need to do with our lives. So is, is God all-knowing? Yes. Does God control the actions of all people? I don't believe that he does. And somewhere along the way, we've kind of got confused about that and we've let anger and distance creep into our lives because we in some way think that God is responsible for what goes on in the world. And, and in that is one like big ball of like debate and gray that we could have for months. And I don't know the answers to all that, but I do believe that I don't think God created us to be robots. That's something I'll stand by, okay? But here's something that I do want you to know that you can just kind of take from here and, and, and understand this related to God. God controlled the creation of all things. He does not control the actions of all things. God created the world and everything in it, and he controlled the creation of all things, but he doesn't necessarily control the actions of all things. If you're a parent, you understand this, right? Because you have a kid or multiple children who you've created, but you can't control their actions. You love them, but you can't control every single thing that they do, right? That's why Minecraft was invented, right? To help control like, you know, some things that they're doing, right? But you can't control everything that they have going on. And I believe the same is true with God. He does not control the actions of all things. That is why there is evil in this world. And instead of blaming people for the evil and the injustice that occurs, we tend to blame God becoming angry with him, and distancing ourselves from him. Guys, this is deep, deep stuff. And I'm telling you, I don't have, and we at DHC don't have all the answers. But what we're doing here is we're talking about it. We're committed to wrestling with it together. We're committed to just figuring out how this lands. But here's another thing that I believe. If you and when you hold on to bitterness against God, you miss out on a bigger story. Because see, when we misunderstand who God is, and we don't understand that if you want to know who God really is, you look at the life of Jesus. When we misunderstand that, it's easy to become angry with God because of what happens in the world. I understand that, but that's because for years I was confused about who God was. And I even, even though I worked at a church and engaged with churches and was a volunteer at churches, I was still at times bitter toward God. And here's what I found out. I wasn't fully engaging with the bigger story of God as I needed to. I wasn't fully in understanding what that was in my life and in the life of my community and my church. That was unforgiveness in my own heart. And the truth about a lot of us here today is we have the same thing going on. Or even if we don't have it today, we had it at one point. And we became angry and we distanced ourselves. And I just, just got to tell you something real quick. We launched Downtown Harbor Church about 13 weeks ago. And since we've launched Downtown Harbor Church, and we're still just a baby that is just growing and it's so exciting to be part of, but since we launched Downtown Harbor Church, I have met some of the most phenomenal, awesome people that I've ever encountered in my entire life. And all of them, at some level, have said, 
I feel like I'm misunderstanding this thing. I don't want to miss out on this bigger story. I don't want to miss out what, on what God is doing in our church and in our community by fully understanding at the core of its being for the first time what it means to love your neighbor as yourself, and that is the way that you show love to God. And there are people you know in your, in your life who have unforgiveness toward God, and they're missing out on this bigger story. And I'll never forget, the day before we launched Downtown Harbor Church, I was driving in my car home from loading our trailer up. I don't know if you guys know that, but we kind of unpack and pack a trailer every single week and bring this in. I was driving home from there, and I said to myself, for the first time ever, I feel like I can fully engage with this bigger story. For the first time ever. And that's what we're doing at Downtown Harbor Church. By understanding that if you want to know who God really is, look at the life of Jesus. And in five days, we celebrate Jesus coming to earth. The only human representation of God to ever come to the earth, we celebrate at Christmas time. And so as we close the message today, I wanted to read you how amazing and beautiful that event was. In Luke chapter 2, verse 1 through 12, it said, At the time of the Roman Emperor Augustus, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire, all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from a village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. And, for, and while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him in snugly, snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. I want to stop for just a second. Because in my experience in church, and my experience with the Jesus movement, my experience with people who don't want to be around God anymore, there's not a lot of great joy or good news. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. Jesus had come to earth. God had come to earth to live a just over 30-year life, a perfect life. That would be an example for all of us and how we live. Love, peace, hope, restoration, redemption, all things new. Loving our neighbor as ourself. Who wouldn't want to be a part of that? But I understand why culture is angry at God. Because when I've talked about God, those aren't the things that I talk about. Those aren't the things that I hear. And if you want to know who God really is, look at the life of Jesus. Look at the life of Jesus. Furthermore, if you haven't forgiven God, you are the one who is suffering. You're the one who's missing out. I want to challenge you today. Because maybe your opinion of God or your understanding of God has been off for a long time. And maybe today was the first time you heard somebody utter the words, if you really want to know who God is, look at the life of Jesus. 
and I haven't engaged with it. You're the one who's suffering. You're the one who's missing out. You're the one who's missing out on what's going on in our city with amazing people. So I want to tell you today, get in the game. Get involved. Understand who Jesus really is. Say yes to him, especially at Christmas, and then be a part of what we're doing as we figure out how to love this city like ourselves. Because I don't want you to miss out. I don't want to miss out. And if you do, if you haven't forgiven God, if you're holding on to that anger and distance in here, you're the one who's suffering. So a couple of things I want you to know before we close. You're not God. And God is who he is. And we've talked about who he is today. If you want to know who he really is, look at the life of Jesus. And then say yes to understanding who he is so that you can engage with us here and help change our community. And I promise you this, because somebody asked me, why are you talking about this on the Sunday closest to Christmas? Because I promise you, this is the time of the year when people think about this way more than any other time. Get it right. If you haven't forgiven God, you're the one who's suffering. Allow me to pray for us. God, that was a lot today, even for me. And I'm thankful that you led that, that you guided that, and that you told uh, you know, us long ago through whatever way that we kind of felt you, that we were to talk about that today and that lives are being changed because of it. And I'm so pumped and so thankful that us here at DHC are trying to get this right. Some of us for the very first time ever. Would you go before us and allow us to do that? And as we celebrate you coming to earth, I pray that you would allow all of us to have a bad, the best Christmas and holiday ever with our family and with ourselves and with you because we get it. Maybe some of us for the first time. Guide us. Bless us. Help us. We pray as we celebrate today in Jesus' name. Amen.